Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, rushing! Deep left field! This is way Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. It was a crazy day in the world of baseball. Big injuries, another massive prospect promotion, and big performances. Let's break it all down. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Wednesday, July 5th. I am Frank Stanfield, joined by the birthday boy, Chris Towers. Before we get started, please like this video and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We really do appreciate it. Chris, happy belated birthday. Did you do anything fun? Uh, Yeah, over the weekend I did some fun stuff, but not today. No, I, I stayed home and played video games and made a, an expensive steak and tried to comfort my dog while the fireworks were going off, which it's 1228 as we're recording it. And I'm still hearing fireworks in the background. So apologies. If you hear some popping in the background, it's just fireworks. It's fine. What video games are we playing nowadays? A uh, little tears of the kingdom. And then as always Warzone. you know, that, that's, that's, Hanging with the boys playing Warzone. You know how it is. Uh, I, I don't exactly because I haven't played uh, Call of Duty or Warzone in quite a while, but I can imagine. Uh, I'm currently playing a really old Zelda game for the Game Boy Color, Link's Awakening. But no Great one prob- game. No one cares about that. Anyway, uh, be nice to Chris in the comments, by the way. I know you YouTubers out there, you're being real mean to Chris with the thumbnail. They're fun, <laughs> man. We got all the emotions and the facial expressions and all that kind of crazy stuff. Be nice to Chris. Uh, let's get into it. A bunch of crazy news from the 4th of July. And we'll start off with uh, the biggest news of the day. Mike Trout placed on the IL with a left hamate bone fracture in his hand, which will, which typically requires four to six weeks to heal. Uh, it's 
bit of a down season here for Mike Trout. He was batting 263, but he had 18 home runs. He was the 16th best outfielder in head-to-head points leagues, 17th best in Roto this year. Uh, Chris, your initial thoughts. I know that a lot of big names have dealt with this injury before. I believe Giancarlo Stanton has had it in the past. Mm -hmm. Wander Franco dealt with it last year as well. Uh, Your immediate reaction to Mike Trout out four to six weeks. Well, it's it's unfortunate, first of all, just because Trout was actually staying healthy so far this season. And look, he wasn't having a great season, but like he was still on right around 100 run, 90 RBI, 35 homer pace while not killing you in batting average. So his his struggles had been pronounced, but he was starting to show signs of turning it around lately as well. So. It's bad news all around. Hopefully it doesn't linger. And, you know, obviously anytime you're talking about the hand or wrist, there's some concern. I think hammock bone injuries, once you get past them, they tend to be okay. But it, it's certainly a concern. Yeah. Let's talk about quickly how this uh, affects the Angels because they did recall Joe Adele. And uh, though I mostly feel like he'll be a short side platoon at least immediately. And maybe he earns more playing time uh, in the near future. But it's good news for Mickey Moniak, who has quietly had a really good season, and we've talked about him here or there. And every time we bring him up, we say, ah, well, there's not enough playing time. That's about to change. I think Mickey Moniak is at least going to be the strong side platoon in the outfield moving forward. Joe Adele was doing some nice things in the minors this year, batting 271 with 23 home runs, 9 steals, and a 956 OPS. And since the start of June, someone pointed this out to me on Twitter, Joe Adele had the same number of walks to strikeouts, 17 walks, 17 strikeouts. So the plate discipline has trending in the right direction. He's hitting the ball really hard in the minors, lots of home runs. Uh, Chris, do you see any value here for Joe Adele, or is it just a short side platoon in in the well, immediate aftermath? Well, keep an eye on it. I mean, this is a guy who's 162 game pace at AAA over the course of his career is 45 home runs with a 903 OPS, tons of strikeouts. That remains an issue, 86 and 72 games so far this season. It's about a 27% strikeout rate. At this point, I think the the most likely thing is that Joe Adele is just a quad A player, but Mickey Moniak didn't even seem like a quad A player a month and a half ago, and all of a sudden he's a, a pretty big part of the Angels offense right now. So progress isn't always linear. You never know what will actually happen when it, when it comes to guys like this, but he's certainly got talent, so we'll keep an eye on it. Not someone you're rushing out to add, but you know if he gets hot, you know, it's worth uh, worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, and I will point out that just a rough day all around for Angels fans. I am sorry. Yeah. Shohei Otani left his start with a blister on his right middle finger. He was dealing with a cracked fingernail on the same finger in his previous start. He's not going to pitch in the All-Star game. And uh, after the game, he said he doesn't know if he's going to hit for the next couple of games. So I guess that could open up an opportunity for uh, Joe Adele in the short term. We'll see uh, what he does in those games and how he builds off of that moving forward. How can we replace Mike Trout? Obviously, there's a lot of power there. Usually a solid batting average, lots of counting stats. So anything you find on the waiver wire is not going to be Mike Trout. But the most added outfielders recently, the top four, TJ Friedel, Leody Tavares, Tommy Pham, and Andrew McCutcheon. Names that we've talked about a lot recently. Chris, let's just remind the people, uh, how would you rank that group? Friedel, Leody Tavares, Tommy Pham, Andrew McCutcheon. I think I'd go Tavares, Fam, McCutcheon, and Friedel. Uh, I think it's the way I would go. It, it might depend on the format. McCutcheon's a little better in points leagues because his plate discipline remains very good. But 
overall, I think Tavares is the is the most interesting option of that group. Yeah, I liked Leody Tavares and Tommy Pham the most. TJ Friedel has been awesome this year. If it's speed that you're looking for, I think he's probably mm-hmm. the answer. He's hit for a lot of batting average this season as well. But he's also the least available. He's 76% rostered on CBS, so... Maybe it's like a 10 or 12 team uh, points league, something shallow there for TJ. And I will say, I know we're about to talk about it, but the best option if you need an outfielder might be Orioles prospect Colton Kowser. Yep. And we will talk about him in just a little bit. Few names in deeper leagues, five outfielder leagues. I think Mickey Moniak, with the way that he's played, he's someone that you could look at. He's batting 305 with a 983 OPS in the games he's played with the Angels this season. Jose Siri, still only 29% rostered. And Oscar Colas, who was recalled on Tuesday. He started in right field for the White Sox. He was doing some really good things in the minors as well. Uh, Chris, how do you rank that group? Five outfielder outfielder leagues. Jose Siri, Oscar Colas, Mickey Moniak. I actually have Siri in, uh, I believe, the Tout Wars league or maybe TGFBI, one of those. And he's a a fine player. I think the, you know, counting, they're the, Underlying stats are, are pretty solid for him, but I would go with Oscar Colas here and just, you know, see if he can figure out what we were all so excited about coming into the season. You remember he had a 928 OPS double A last season. Overall at AAA, 306 average, 894 OPS, 11 homers in 55 games. So I think there's still a, a solid skill set there. You know, he didn't have great plate discipline, but again, 866 OPS at AAA this season. So do not want to write Oscar Colas off at the age of 24. Still a very talented player. So he'd be the most interesting of that group. All right. Well, we already mentioned what's going on with Shohei Otani. Hopefully the, the diagnosis and the news comes out okay and he's pitching and hitting after the All-Star break. It wouldn't surprise me if they give him a couple of days off hitting there. Yeah. But hopefully everything is good there with Shohei Otani because... He's amazing, and baseball is infinitely better when he is playing the sport. If you are looking looking for a Mike Trout replacement, can I interest you in Orioles' top prospect, Colton Kowser, who will be promoted on Wednesday, 23 years old, a former first-round pick back in 2021. And this year in the minors, he was batting 330 with 10 homers, 7 steals, a 996 OPS in 56 games. He did miss some time with an injury. We're talking... Really good eye at the plate here. 18.7% walk rate in the minors this season. Routinely double-digit walk rates up and down his minor league career. Does strike out a little bit, a 23% strikeout rate. It's not egregious, but you know you probably would want that to be a little bit better in the minors as well. Uh, Chris, your thoughts on Colton Kowser? Does he play every day? I know the Orioles, they kind of have a crowded outfield. And mm-hmm. I guess it depends how... <laughs> how good you think Aaron Hicks is and how much they're going to play him. But uh, your thoughts on Colton Kowser? Yeah, there are some definite questions about what the playing time is going to look like there. Obviously, you know, two two all-stars in the outfield. Cedric Mullins, I don't think actually made the all-star game this year, but Austin Hayes did and Cedric Mullins, I'm assuming, has made an all-star game. I actually guess I don't know for sure, but that sounds like something that's happened for Cedric Mullins. And uh, then you've got right field, which has been a lot of Aaron Hicks lately or Anthony Santander. However, I did notice Anthony Santander has first-base eligibility now in fantasy. Uh, He's played five games there. And I do wonder if the answer here might be, you know, Hicks and... Kowser primarily play right field. You know, Kowser has experience playing center field. So 
the outfield defense should benefit from him being there. Hicks also has been a good defender in his career. And so, you know, I do wonder if that's the, the, the way they go, where it's maybe Hicks plays a little more DH, maybe Cowser DH is some, and Santander plays a little more first base. We kind of push Ryan O'Hearn out until, of course, Ryan Mountcastle comes back. I believe he started his rehab assignment the last few days or is about to start a rehab assignment. So there are... Uh, there are some definite playing time concerns here for Kowser. I would guess they're calling him up to play right away. The other thing I'll point out is the plate discipline is good overall. He strikes out a lot against lefties. Last season against lefties uh, across three levels, he had a 34% strikeout rate, 616 OPS. This season, the, the OPS is much better. It's 903 against lefties. However, uh, 19 strikeouts and 59 plate appearances that comes out to about a 32% strikeout rate. So I, I do think there are real platoon risks with Colton Kowser. And, you know, you look at the, the minor league, uh, stack data and it's good, but not great. It's like an 89.9 mile per hour average exit velocity, 110 mile per hour max exit velo. That's good, but it's not necessarily like I worry that Colton Kowser has a little bit of Brandon fought. I don't, it's not going to go out that poorly, I think, but like where we've been talking about him so much because the proximity to the majors is there that it's like, are we overstating the likelihood of like a high end outcome? That's my concern with Colton Kowser. I think he's someone you should absolutely add because, you know, it's a good lineup and he's got the opportunity and the prospect pedigree and the minor league numbers are good. But I just, I'm not convinced he's going to be a, a difference maker for fantasy. I agree with you on the platoon splits. And I do worry a little bit about maybe he doesn't play against left-handed pitching. The Brandon Fott thing, I don't I don't know if I completely buy in there. I think Colton Kowser is a different level of prospect. I mean, fifth overall pick back in 2021. Just looked up Brandon Fott. He was a fifth round pick. So I think there's different expectations sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, here. That's, and he's a much better prospect. Yeah. Um, I hear what you're saying with the exit velocities, but like all he's done is hit in the minors, right? Sure. Really absolutely. good plate yeah. discipline. So I don't want to sell him short, but you're right. I think there could be some playing time concerns, at least from the jump here on Colton Kowser. Just comparing him to those other names that we mentioned, the TJ Friedels, uh, Leody Tavares, Tommy Pham, Andrew McCutcheon. Does Colton Kowser jump to the front of that group? I think that's fine. Like, I, I think it's likelier given the way Leody Tavares has played that he's better. Yeah. But if you have to choose, there's also, you always have to consider not just who's the likely, likely to be the best player, but the opportunity risk of not adding someone. Leody Tavares has been a really good player for like, what, a month and a half, two months now. And he's still only 69% rostered. Colton Kowser's probably going to get pretty close to there, whether he does anything in the next couple of days or not just because he's such a big name prospect. So I think if you have to make a choice, there's more risk that this is the last chance you have to get Kowser on your team. These were some of the questions I got on Twitter regarding Colton Kowser. Would I drop these players for him? Someone asked TJ Friedel. Would you drop TJ Friedel for Colton I'd be fine with that, yeah. Somebody asked me Luis Matos. Would you make that move? I don't think so. I think I'd rather have Matos. That one's close. I know the data for Matos hasn't looked good. He's more likely to play every day. I think I would lean with Kowser, but it is close. Someone asked, drop Jordan Westberg, his teammate for Colton Kowser. 
I don't think so, but obviously, you know, it could come down to if you need an outfielder versus a shortstop. I think Westberg is more likely to play every day, but I think Kowser's upside is higher. So I guess weigh those things uh, on a per at bat per per game basis. I think Kowser uh, could be better. A couple that I got that I said yes to were drop Jared Kalnick or Cody Bellinger for Colton Kowser. And, oh, geez. You know, I, I like those guys in terms of the upside, but neither of them has really done anything in the last two months. Bellinger really hasn't done anything in the last two months. So I think I'd be fine with that. But I think that's the type of like, I think Bellinger and Kalnick and Kalnick especially has more upside than Kowser probably. But you know, I, I'm fine making that swap given how bad Ballinger and Kalanick have been. I feel better about doing it for Kalanick, especially in a shallow league. It's just Kalanick has been really bad for quite some time. Cody Bellinger, I did have him on the rundown a little bit later on. And in 16 games since returning from the IL, he's batting 304 for what it's worth. Over 300 with zero homers. So there's not really much pop yeah. there, but uh, he is hitting for some batting average. That is uh, Cody Bellinger. Close call there. But Colton Kowser getting the call on Wednesday. We'll see what his playing time is moving forward. He's 35% rostered and could very likely be uh, your Mike Trout replacement if you had Mike Trout on your fantasy team. The other... Gosh, there was so much big news. Alec Manoa will return to the Blue Jays and start Friday against the Tigers, which is a great matchup in his first start back. The Tigers are 28th in Woba against right-handed pitching this season. And in Manoa's last start at AA, his best start of the season, five innings of one-run ball, 10 strikeouts. The problem still had three walks over five innings, which has been a big issue for Alec Manoa all season long. He's 68% rostered. Chris, are you rushing to the waiver wire to go get Alec Manoa on your team for his return on Friday. He is not my single most high, high priority waiver wire ad right now, because I would rather have Tarek Skubal in the leagues where both are available. But yeah, I think Manoa pretty much has to be viewed as a must add player. I mean, as much as I like Tarek Skubal, I think it's really unlikely he has a season as good as either of the previous two seasons that Alec Manoa has had. So if he can get back to that kind of upside at all, I think you have to. And the fact that, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I'm certainly surprised he was recalled this quickly. I mean, the start at double A was very good, 10 strikeouts, but, you know, we all saw the the start at the, the Florida Complex League where he gave up like 11 hits in three innings or something, or 11 runs in three innings. And so, I mean, they didn't care about the results there, clearly. Clearly it was just, we wanted him to work for two weeks. We identified some mechanical issues. We we worked on them in that game, and then we sent him to double A, and that was the one where we were looking at the results. That's clearly how the Blue Jays are viewing this. And the fact that they came away impressed enough to call him back up says to me that he should be better than he has been. Whether he can rediscover, you know, top three Cy Young finish level, I, I think is unlikely. But there aren't pitchers with this kind of upside on the waiver wire in July. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> there might not be pitchers with this much downside on the sure. waiver wire based on how Alec Manoa has pitched. And again, nothing is guaranteed here, but just that glimmer of hope, that mm -hmm. chance that he could return to form what we saw last year when he was uh, a top three Cy Young candidate in the American League. Uh, Alec Manoa returning this Friday. He is 68% rostered. You said you would take Tarek Skubal over him. Chris, would you take Brian Wu over Alec Manoa, he's someone that the Welsh and I spoke 
Uh, a lot about yesterday. He looked really good in his start on Monday. No, I, I think Wu is a very talented pitcher, but I, I saw today actually that there is going to be an innings limit for him at some point. I don't know if it's they're going to just shut him down or move him to the bullpen or skip starts or whatever, but he's already, I think, 15 to 20 innings over his total from last season, if I'm remembering that correctly. Yeah. Um, and so there's probably going to be, you know, maybe another month where he's useful, but I think that's probably about it for Brian Wu. So um, as much as I like him, yeah, I think he's clearly behind those guys and probably more in like the Kenta Maeda range. Of course, the Welsh and I waxed poetic about Brian Wu and how great he's been and all these whiffs he's getting. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, that report that you mentioned, Brian Wu expected to be shut down at some point in the second half of the season. He's up to... 72 and two-thirds innings this season between the majors and minors. Uh, last year, he only threw 57 innings yep. in the minors, so he's already 15 past that. Maybe he gets hard-capped at like 100, 120, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think like 115, 120 is probably like the absolute max. All right. I missed this on Monday night, but Tyro Estrada was placed on the IL with a fractured left hand. He was hit by a pitch on Sunday and is expected to miss four to six weeks as well. Another huge loss. He was batting 272 with nine home runs and 18 steals this season. The 52nd overall player in Roto. He was averaging 3.2 fantasy points per game in points leagues as well. The most added middle infielders on CBS right now. Hassan Kim, Ezekiel Tovar, Michael Garcia, and Jordan Westberg. Jordan Westberg, by the way, went two for four with a double on Tuesday. Chris, how would you uh, rank those middle infielders? Kim, Tovar, Michael Garcia, Westberg. I think I would go... This is another one where, like, I think Tovar will probably be better than Jordan Westberg rest of the way, but... Again, Ezekiel Tovar has been really good for like basically the last two months. He had an awful April, but since the start of May, I haven't updated in a few days, but when I looked on Sunday, his 162 game pace since the start of May was like 25 homers, a 280 batting average, 90 runs, 100 RBI, and 12 steals or something. It was, he had been awesome. So I think he's likelier to be better than Jordan Westberg, but. Westberg's already more rostered, so this is, again, probably your last chance to add Jordan Westberg if you don't. Yeah, I think Tovar and Westberg are probably at the top of the list. I really like what Hassan Kim has done as well, and he's been leading off for the Padres. A lineup I keep expecting to get going, and it's just mm -hmm. not happening. They, for some reason, cannot get everybody going at the same time this season. It's been very frustrating. If it's speed that you're looking for in particular, because Tyro Estrada does provide a lot of speed, Michael Garcia does make some sense there. So it's yes. Westberg and Tovar up at the top. If you need speed, Michael Garcia and Hassan Kim. Sorry, bud. <laughs> I don't think you make the cut, but uh, I do like what Although, he's doing. Like, I noticed the other day, he's like third in the majors in wins above replacement at uh, baseball reference. He's on. He's, he has four wins already. He's good. He's having a great season. He's good defensively. He's walked a lot this year. The OBP is yeah. solid for Hassan Kim. A little bit of power, a little bit of speed. Frankly, I don't think any of those options are bad. So if you lost Tyro Estrada, I, I think you're probably in good shape if you can get one of those four names. What about if you play in a deeper league? Nick Gonzalez, Andy Abanez, Gene Segura. These are names you're probably looking at in 14-team leagues or deeper, anything like that. Uh, Chris, anyone stand out for you there from that group? 
Uh, Gonzalez, probably the most. He's got some prospect pedigree, not huge prospect pedigree, but, you know, he's a weird player because you look at the minor league numbers and it's like he's got an 820 OPS between triple A and double A. Basically, it's like 815 maybe, but it's like a 260 ish batting average and it's between both levels. It's like 13 homers in 130 games or something and like 15 steals or whatever the numbers are exactly. Uh, those are the ballpark, and it's like the 820 OPS sounds better than everything else does. And so it might be one of those ones where his game's just not fine-tuned for uh, fantasy production. But um, among this group, I, I think the Nick Gonzalez of the Pirates is probably the most interesting. Yep, and Nick Gonzalez went three for four with two doubles and two RBI on Tuesday. He is batting 314 with a 988 OPS early on here with the Pirates. Uh, I think he's at the top of the list. Gene Segura... He's doing some nice things recently. His last seven games, batting 308 with a home run and a steal. He was a productive player the past couple of years, and uh, he's been mostly awful this year, but maybe he can uh, reclaim some of that old form that we know Gene Segura to have. Let's take our first break, and when we return, we'll hit some waiver wire pitchers. We'll talk about Tarek Skubal. We'll do all that right after this. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome back. And if you are interested in buying some Fantasy Baseball Today merch, you can do exactly that at the Paramount Shop, which offers a mountain of merch from the Paramount shows and movies that you love. Scan the QR code in the top right corner if you're watching on YouTube or head to paramountshop.com. Paramount Shop, where products are Paramount. Let's talk some waiver wire pitchers. Tarek Skubal was pumping gas in his season debut up against the Oakland A's. Four no-hit innings with six strikeouts, nine swinging strikes on 57 pitches. That is a 15.8% swinging strike rate. And his fastball was up 2.3 miles per hour. Sinker up over three miles per hour compared to last year. So it was easy gas coming from uh, Tarek Skubal in his season debut. Kent Maeda turned in his first quality start of the season up against the Royals. Seven innings, two runs, only one of those earned with nine strikeouts and 15 swinging strikes. Kyle Hendricks now has three quality starts in a row. He was at the Brewers. Six innings, two runs, one earned with five strikeouts for him. And J.P. Sears has just quietly pitched very well this year at the Tigers. Seven and a third shutout with four strikeouts and 15 swinging strikes for him. Chris, 
I think I know your answer, but how are you ranking this group? Scooble, Maeda, Hendricks, and Sears. Yeah, Scooble's a clear number one. Remember, he, before the flexor strain injury, he was having a really good 2022 season. 3.52 ERA, 3.34 X ERA. And the, the biggest change there, his fastball went from world historically disastrously bad in 2021. Uh, he gave up a 6.11 slugging percentage, and it was actually lucky according to the expected stats to have a, a number that bad. And then last year, it just became a regular, normal, not great fastball. And then that was huge for him. And now, you know, he's added two to two and a half miles per hour with that pitch. So I, I think there's significant upside here. If the strikeout rate ticks up, obviously, you know, 12 swinging strikes today, um, on only 57 or nine swinging strikes on only 57 pitches. That's a very good rate. They'll unleash him a little more in the second half. And and I think he could be absolutely a difference maker down the stretch. I think he could be a top 40 starting pitcher uh, the rest of the way if he stays healthy. So he's the clear number one. I think he should be rostered everywhere. And after that, I think I would give my A to the edge on Hendricks just because the strikeouts have been there. The cat, the, the three starts since coming back from the IL, I think it's I'm trying to remember. I wrote about it earlier. Sorry. It's I think 21 strikeouts in, in three starts since coming back. Um, yeah. 21 strikeouts in three starts since coming back. It's only like 17 innings. So it's a very good per inning number slider and splitter. Both look very good today. 12 swing strikes on those two pitches. So I would give Maeda a little bit of an edge over Hendricks. I think it's probably a ceiling versus floor thing. And then Sears, I just, I don't really buy it. I know the results have been pretty good, but you know, the XERA is 483 for the season. He doesn't really get a lot of strikeouts. So I'm okay. Kind of fading JP Sears. Okay. And I think I mostly agree with your order. I would go Scooble, Maeda, Hendricks and JP Sears. Kyle Hendricks, while he's he looks like vintage Kyle Hendricks, he is limiting walks, he's limiting hard contact, he's doing a great job. Love what we've seen, 2.64 ERA, a .94 whip, but I do think there will be some regression at some point because mm-hmm. his home run to fly ball ratio is 3.4%, that's 11.6% for his career, and his BABIP currently, even with allowing hard con- uh, without limiting hard contact, 224 yeah. BABIP is yeah. really, really like, low. So The thing with Kyle Hendricks is his expected Wobon contact, which is just balls in play, at his peak was between 335 and 360. Right now it's 339. That's an incredibly good number, whether it's 350 or whether it's 339. The problem is you say he's he looks like vintage Kyle Hendricks. Kyle Hendricks never got a lot of strikeouts, but his strikeout rate at his peak was like 20%. You know, he had five straight, six straight seasons between 20 and 23%. He was actually not far from being an average strikeout pitcher. This year, it's down to 13.3%. So I do think there's definitely some regression coming. I think he can probably be a a high threes ERA guy moving forward, but certainly not the guy he once was. He, he's useful, but not must roster. All right, let's quickly talk about Emmett Sheehan because he had his first real rough outing of the season and it came up against the Pirates of all teams. Three and two-thirds innings, five runs allowed, four walks to four strikeouts, so was a little bit wild in this one. Allowed a lot of hard contact as well. 95.9 average exit velocity against. 
for Emma Sheehan. And he's kind of a tough pitcher to evaluate early on here, Chris. He's not getting a lot of whiffs, not getting a lot of strikeouts. The walks have been high. He gives up a lot of fly balls. So it seems like eventually there's probably going to be home runs coming uh, against Emma Sheehan as well. Would you drop him for any of the names we just talked about? I would hope that I have, I mean, knowing my teams, I certainly have players who I, I have less faith or I don't know if faith is the right. Well, it's weird. Faith is a weird word because I think that is the right word for, for Sheehan. I don't have a lot of confidence that he's going to be an ace moving forward, but there is some faith that he could be that. It's just that right now we haven't really seen what that would look like, right? The, the changeup whiff rate is 36%. That's very good. 27.6% on the slider. That's iffy, but he, he certainly hasn't shown the massive upside we saw at double A this season where he had 88 strikeouts and 53 innings. So if I have to rank them rest of season, I'm going to rank Tarek Skubal ahead of him. And I'm probably, who was the other... Kenta Maeda, another, Kyle uh, No. What about Alec oh, Manoa? Alec, Alec Manoa. Yeah. I would probably rank Alec Manoa and Tarek Skubal ahead of him. Certainly Skubal. I have more confidence in him. Uh, Manoa, more of an upside play. But because we haven't seen a ton of upside from Sheehan yet in terms of the swing strike rate and the strikeouts, you know, I'd put him below those guys. But I would hope, again, that I have someone worse or at least with, with less upside. All right. I don't think... Andrew Act. Sorry, yeah, that, that, yeah. just that's what I want to remind ourselves is that Emma Sheehan hasn't shown strikeout upside yet. Andrew Abbott didn't show strikeout upside his first three starts, and then he has 30 in his last three. So, again, like we talked about on Sunday night's podcast, don't want to talk about young players as if they are finished products. We haven't seen it from Sheehan yet, but I don't want to give up on the upside or the potential of it. Yeah, no, I, I think that's totally fair and uh, a good reminder on Emmett Sheehan. Don't think this matters very much, but quick thoughts. Anything on Brandon Belak, who pitched very well in his return to the Astros. He was facing the Rockies through seven shutout innings with four strikeouts and did change his <laughs> pitch mix in this one. He basically scrapped his slider completely. He threw a lot more curveballs in this outing. Uh, Chris, anything here? Does this matter? Brandon Belak pitching well? I don't really think so. I mean, his changeup's actually a very good pitch. Um, so, I, you know... I don't want to say there's nothing there, but I think it was probably just the Colorado Rockies are not very good. Yeah, and this star was in Houston, so I think that uh, makes perfect sense as well. Do any of these waiver wire hitters matter for fantasy? Obviously, they matter. They're humans. They're awesome. I'm sure they're great people, but Chris, I'm just going to go one by one. You tell me if these names matter for fantasy. The first one is Ahmed Rosario, who went three for four with his second home run of the season. And over his last 25 games, he's batting 346. That's awesome. 16 runs, 18 RBI, one homer and one steal. So it's just kind of empty batting average right now. Chris, does Ahmed Rosario matter in fantasy? Yeah, even the st- the RBI and run numbers are they're fine. But, you know, for hitting 350 over a 25-game stretch, it's a little underwhelming. I I tend to think that we know what Ahmed Rosario is, and even when things are going well, you know, like he's not running as much as we hoped he would with the new rules, and so I, I generally think he is what he is, and it's an empty batting average when things are going well, so not super excited to add him. 
Yeah, I think he needs to remain rostered in deeper roto leagues with middle infield spots. And he's someone that can catch fire and go on these crazy runs. So I'm not going to rule out the possibility. But even in 12-team leagues, I don't think you need to go there yet with Ahmed Rosario. Brett Beatty went two for four with a run scored and over his last 16 games, he's betting 304 with one homer and one steal, only two walks to 18 strikeouts. He's hitting the ball very hard, but also lots of ground balls. And Chris, Brett Beatty feels like the latest young player that for years moving forward, we're just going to beg him to raise his launch angle. And I don't know if it's going to happen. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that was the concern as a prospect, and he had started to show signs of figuring that out, but he was hitting a lot of ground balls in the minors as well. So, yeah, that's a that's a little bit of a concern. Again, another player I like having around for upside, but not a must-roster player. James Outman went two for three with a double dong. His first home run, not just his first two, his first homer since May 17th. James Outman has been in an extended slump. He's batting only 237, still 54% rostered. Chris, does this matter? It matters in as much as it's a reminder that he exists and a a reason to not drop him. Like, I I added him in one of my leagues where he got dropped just in case, you know, and maybe he can get hot. He's now had multiple hits in two of the last three games. I think he, did he sit one of those or did the Dodgers not play? Uh, Sorry, yeah, they didn't play on Monday. So he started, yeah. If you are not inclined to drop him, I, I think this is a decent reason for it. But like, I would drop him for Colton Kowser. Absolutely. Yeah. I had him in a few five outfielder leagues, even a 15 team league. I had him in the NFBC and, it, and we dropped him, I think, either late May or early June. Yeah. And I haven't really thought about but picking him back up. So. I'd put him in the same Kalnick uh, Bellinger category that I did earlier. It's, it's been a very similar story. I think his success might have, Altman's success might have lasted a little longer and then the fall was a little harder. But yeah, I, I don't see a ton to get excited about there. All right. Jaron Duran went two for three with a double and a triple, both over 110 exit velocity. Crazy hard hits there from Jaron Duran. He's 42% rostered, but he's not playing every day. So that's an issue right now, Chris. Does uh, Jaron Duran matter for fantasy? Yeah, it's really hard to be valuable when you're a platoon player. You know, this is kind of what we're running into with Josh Lowe, who I think is a better version of that. But they kind of look pretty similar right now, right? Josh Lowe has more power. For sure. But uh, the overall numbers are probably not that dissimilar. More batting average for uh, Duran and probably more speed. I'd like to see him get more of a chance against lefties, but he's got 12 strikeouts and 36 plate appearances. So I don't see it's, it's not like he's forcing it when he's had the opportunity. So I, uh, I think this is about as valuable as Jaron Duran's going to get. There was a report on Tuesday that Adam Duvall is kind of falling into a short side platoon role. So Mm -hmm. maybe Duran plays a little bit more moving forward. Uh, He wasn't even playing against every righty. He just, yeah, he's kind of been playing every other game, every third game. But, you know, maybe he will play more against right-handed pitching. He's forcing their hand right now. Yeah. Yeah, he's absolutely crushing the ball and uh, not much power recently, but some extra base hits. And uh, whenever he gets on, it, it seems like Jaron Duran is is off and running. Two names in deeper leagues. Do you think they matter, Chris? Corey Jolts went four for five with a double in RBI and his 14th steal. He has just quietly been racking up hits and steals. Uh, he had three hard hits in this game. 
And over his last 12 games, Corey Jolks is batting 378 with a homer and four steals. The other name is Mike Ford, who went four for five with two doubles and his seventh home run. Just a completely random stat. He became the seventh player in MLB history with four plus hits, three of those being extra base hits on his birthday. So <laughs> happy birthday, Mike Ford. He celebrates the same birthday as you, Chris. Do either of these happy names birthday. matter? Mike Ford and Corey Jilks. Uh, no, the, the other fun Mike Ford stat that I had the other day was he's had a bunch of hits since then, but as of, I think last Thursday, he had nine hits and seven of them were home runs. Uh, so he's had a bunch of non home run hits in the last week or so, which is great for him. Uh, (laughs) no, I, I think especially Mike Ford doesn't matter. I think Corey Jolks, you know, the, the speed, I don't know if there's much more beyond a 262 batting average or what. No, he's up to 274 now. I, I think this is probably the 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 ceiling. But like 260 and steals bases, that's not a terrible player. It's just you know not super exciting. Corey Jokes last year in the minors. Granted, an older player. I think he was 26 years old at yep. AAA last year. He hit 270 with 31 homers and 22 steals. So yep. there is a little bit of power and speed there. I think if you're playing a very good deep, play discipline, yeah, a very deep five outfielder league, you can do worse than Corey Jolks right now. Let's sure. hit some news and notes. Corbin Carroll was back in the lineup Tuesday. And of course, what did he do? He hit a home run off of Max Scherzer. I would say uh, after sh- after Scherzer struck out the first two batters of the game, the, the battles <laughs> between those two were really fun today. Uh, hopefully the shoulder is fine. It, it looked pretty good on Tuesday for Corbin Carroll. Aaron Judge has begun doing some hitting off of a tee and taking soft toss. Uh, he also said he's walking around a little bit better, but admits his injured toe still does not feel great. And I don't know if this is just the pessimistic Yankee fan of me, Chris, but I just kind of feel like this isn't going to end well for Judge, at least this season, right? He's going to try and come back. He's going to try and rehab and... Maybe he plays for a few weeks and he's not himself. I just, with everything that we know, even with resting, it hasn't really gotten much better. I, I just feel like this is going to be a problem until the offseason when they can address it then. And it's a problem because he's a gigantic human being. I mean, he's 280 pounds or something. He, he's massive, just tall and large. And the Yankees don't really have the ability to play him at DH. I think that's the biggest problem. It's not just, you know, letting the injury heal, but it's like, he's going to have, he's pretty much going to have to play the outfield and he's going to have to stand on that toe and he's going to have to, you know, run multiple times per inning and, and all the things that go along with that. And it's just, that is a lot of stress to put on a very serious injury. Turf toe sounds cute. It's incredibly painful. Anybody who's ever had turf toe will tell you it's a one of the most painful injuries that professional athletes deal with. It's is it's this, a bad injury. Is this turf toe? Technically? I believe I don't know. this is a turf toe injury. I, I know he has a I think it's a torn ligament in his toe. Is that the same thing as turf toe? Yeah, turf toe is specifically how Steinbrenner likened it to turf toe. OK, so, yeah, I asked Scott recently if turf toe was on your foot or in your foot and I believe turf toe is a <laughs> torn ligament in your big toe. I, I think that's what turf toe is specifically. The Fantasy Baseball Today Facebook group, they were all making fun of me because I didn't know what turf toe was. I didn't it know this is, was common knowledge. I don't know. 
a metatarsophalangeal joint sprain, an injury to the connective tissue between the foot and the toe. So it's where the toe and the foot meet. Ugh. And when it's your big toe, it is a turf toe injury. I, I thought it was. Maybe it's not the big toe for him. But either way, it's a not good injury. I think you were going to say either way, it is a big toe because it's on Aaron Judge's Well, foot. yes. Also, I'm sure he wears like size 16 shoes. It's probably a big toe either way. I still blame the Dodgers. It's why do you have a big cement block going around the outfield of your stadium? Yeah, it's, it's just it's, it's the big toe. It's like old and outdated. I, I don't I don't get it. Anyway, I blame the Dodgers. Hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully Judge comes back and he's awesome. Jose Altuve was scratched Tuesday due to left oblique t- uh, discomfort. He missed four games in early June with a similar injury and sounds like it might be lingering a little bit. Max Free threw live batting practice Tuesday and will be reevaluated Wednesday. He's been out since early May with a left forearm strain. Framber Valdez has been cleared to start Thursday against the Mariners, and he missed his previous start this past weekend due to a That's- sprained right ankle. It's a little frustrating. I benched yeah. him, same, uh, but same thing. That you, yeah. you had to. If we if we weren't going to know, I mean, there's there's no way. I have a deeper league where I benched him for Michael Waka, and then Waka went on the IL. Oh, so that's that's rough. I I, I actually so think I benched him for uh, for Kyle Hendricks, so that that worked out okay. That did work out pretty well. Jazz Chisholm, as we suspected, not great. Diagnosed with a... Actually, the news is a little bit better than we thought. Diagnosed with a mild oblique strain and will be sidelined for at least the next couple of weeks, but frankly, it could have been worse. Dustin May will undergo season-ending surgery to repair the flexor tendon in his right elbow, and it sounds like he'll miss the first month or two of next season as well. Yeah, the the timing is similar to Tarek Skubal, I believe. Around this time last year was when Skubal had his injury. So So he might might even miss the first three months of next season, Dustin May. Hugh Darvish is aiming to rejoin the Padres rotation this weekend against the Mets. He has not pitched since June 21st due to an illness that caused him to lose seven pounds. Not great. Chris, Sorry, uh, just Tarek Skubal's injury was... About he had surgery about a month and a half after. So yeah, it could be like a May for right. Dustin May next year. Chris Sale is on an every other day throwing program and is feeling good. He's not eligible to return until early August. Brandon Lau was activated off the IL and was batting sixth Tuesday against that's the- one Aaron we Ola. didn't mention. But in that discussion of middle infielders, um, Brandon Lau, I'd put in the. Uh, in that Ezekiel Tovar, and he's rostered around the same rate. I think he's 63% or something like that. Uh, That's surprising, actually. Six, he's probably not going to play every day. They, they talked about that today, um, that they're probably going to limit his playing time. But he's, you know, he was awesome in April. You know, looked like 2021 Brandon Lau, and then the back issues cropped up. So if he's healthy, I think Brandon Lau is still good. Back injuries are tough, man. We've seen it with Clayton mm-hmm. Kershaw. It's, you know, this is something that can kind of knock you out for multiple Absolutely. years. So uh, we'll see. We'll monitor with uh, Brandon Lau. Michael Walker was placed in the IL with right shoulder inflammation retroactive to July 2nd. He's been battling this shoulder injury for the past couple weeks. Liam Hendricks will throw a bullpen session this weekend. He's been out since early June with right elbow inflammation. Michael Kopech is expected to return to the White Sox rotation after the All-Star break. They placed him on the IL a couple days ago to give him extended rest. We mentioned Brian Wu could get shut down in the second half. Yankees manager Aaron Boone said he's considered moving Anthony Volpe back up to the leadoff spot with how well he's uh, been hitting since mid-June. 
Nestor Cortez is on track for a live betting practice session on Sunday. He's been out for the past month with a strained rotator cuff. Anthony Descalfani was placed in the IL with right shoulder fatigue. Nick Madrigal placed on the IL with a right hamstring strain. Jose Quintana scheduled to make another rehab start Friday at AAA. Adam Wainwright was placed in the IL with right shoulder inflammation, a.k.a. getting destroyed by the Miami Marlins inflammation. <laughs> Zach Greinke left Tuesday's start due to right shoulder discomfort. Uh, Nelson Cruz was designated for assignment by the Padres. And Philly's top prospect, Andrew Painter, did not throw live batting practice on Tuesday because of some stiffness. He's been dealing with a sprained UCL since <laughs> March. Does not sound good for him. I, I'm... I think we'll see him in 2024. I know. I, I don't want to like, you know. I, I understand why the Phillies don't want a 19 or 20 year old to go under the knife, but it just kind of feels like it's going to end that way at some point anyway. So I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> I hope again, I'm kind of pessimistic when it comes to this stuff. I hope Andrew Painter doesn't need to have surgery. Let's take our final break. And when we return, uh, we'll get into the rest of all the stuff that happened on July 4th here on Fantasy Baseball Today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back, and a big thank you to everyone watching us live on YouTube. It's well past 1 a.m. Eastern time. We have over 400 people here hanging out. It was, you know, we're... We just wrapped up July 4th. I'm sure everyone had a great time. Do your thing, drink some drinks, eat some food, but we're happy that you're here hanging out with us. Like this video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Three massive pitching performances from Tuesday. Aaron Nola, this is what we've been waiting for. And it's so, it's almost frustrating because you know how good he can be and he goes into Tampa Bay and pitches this well. Seven and a third innings, one run allowed, 12 strikeouts. For Aranola, great performance in this one. Logan Gilbert tossed the first shutout, the first complete game of his career. He was at the Giants. He allowed five hits with seven strikeouts and a career-high 22 swinging strikes. And the other name is Joe Musgrove, who has now turned in five straight quality starts. He was facing the Angels, seven innings of one-run ball with 11 strikeouts and 25 swinging strikes, his most in a start since April 19th of 2021. Chris, three big names here. Joe Musgrove, Logan Gilbert, and Aaron Nola. Yeah, uh, Nola we'll start with. He just, I don't know, he goes through these stretches, right? And it's, 
It's always frustrating when it happens. This year's been a little different because the strikeouts are way down. Strikeout rate was down to 23% coming into this start. That's that's a significant difference. It was 29% last season. Whiff rate on his curveball was down. I tend to think in looking at some of the data that there might have been just a mechanical issue that maybe he sorted out. Um, so hopefully that's the case. Musgrove's a really, really tough player to handicap right now because... We know he's dealing with this bursitis issue in his elbow, and it's the type of issue that likely won't uh, lead to a more severe injury, or at least as long as he's not compensating for it, right? It's more about managing pain than, than getting worse. But we don't know how much that's affecting him. I, I'm having a really hard time figuring out where to to put Musgrove in my rankings. He's in like the 20 range. And I, I think that's higher than it is for you, right? I think I have him at 26 or 27, something like that. But yeah. um, it feels like he probably deserves to be higher than that. Yeah, I have him 15. I have him uh, at 27. Is, yeah. But for example, I have you Darvish at 17 and Darvish has been really bad this year. Like, yeah, there's a discussion to for me to swap those guys. Put Musgrove yeah, top but, 20 but and lower Darvish. Musgrove's striker rate is low as it's been since 2018. So it's not like he's actually been great this season. He's been really up and down, just like a lot of the guys in that range. It's been a really hard year to rank starting pitchers. But, you know, the last couple of starts, especially last three starts, we're starting to see the strikeouts come back. Hopefully that's a harbinger of things to come for Musgrove. Anything that you would like to add on uh, Logan Gilbert? Career high, 22 swinging strikes in the first complete game of his career. I think it's probably unlikely that this is the start of him being a big swing and miss pitcher. It's just not a significant part of his game, but he's good. You know, I think even like the 419 or 382 ERA right now after this start, he's better than that. His ex-ERA coming into this start was 356. He's not an elite strikeout pitcher, but, you know, he does a decent job with hard contact. He doesn't allow a lot of walks. I think it all points to a solid mid threes ERA for, for Logan Gilbert. And specifically in this start, the velocity was up on the fastball and the slider. They were up over one mile per hour. So good news there for Logan Gilbert. I think he's been a little bit unlucky this season. I think from here on out, I would probably expect something closer to a mid threes ERA Mm -hmm. for Logan Gilbert. Chris, I know that you love arbitrary starting and endpoints here. So I have uh, have a little segment filled with a bunch of different hitters uh, with different timeframes of where they've played well and... I am disappointed by the absence of one name because he actually has a non-arbitrary endpoint. And I'm sure you talked about it yesterday with Anthony Volpe. Uh, yes, we did. We did talk did about we, Volpe. Did yeah. we talk about the chicken parm dinner? Absolutely did. Good, good, good. Okay, because that's the kind of non-arbitrary endpoints we like. <laughs> Look, Get any, out of here with these arbitrary endpoints. Anytime that uh, a good old chicken parm dinner can turn... Anytime we can talk about chicky, chicky parm parm. <laughs> Turn your career around. Yeah, we've we've got to use that to... Uh, we've definitely got to talk about that. But anyway, let's talk about some of these hitters. I'll bring them up. Chris, if you have something to add, fine. If not, we'll move on to the next player. Bobby Witt Jr. went two for four with his 13th home run. And since the start of June, 30 games. He is batting 307 with three homers and eight steals. The batting average and the speed is obviously very fun. We need more power. That's what we need. The... 
The flip might have been switched. I will say might, because if you look at the underlying metrics, last season, Bobby Witt played right to his underlying metrics. He had a 311 Woba and a 313 expected Woba, 252 batting average, or 252 average, 252 XBA. This year, he looks like he hasn't really taken a step forward at all. The under the, the surface level numbers look basically identical to last season, but the underlying numbers are a lot better. Expected Woba on contact is up from 377 to 428 last year or this year. Last year it was about average. This year it's significantly above average. XBA 286, X slug 504. There are very, very good signs that a Bobby Whip breakout is happening. Uh, quality of contact metrics way up, and uh, it's not necessarily being captured in the production yet. So that's, uh, I feel like I was, I, I ragged on him a little bit last week, but he's, uh, the, the, the data looks pretty good for him. And because he plays for the Royals, we really don't hear much about Bobby Witt Jr., but he is on pace for the quietest, what, 25-40 season? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's a really, really good season. It's He's doing it with a lower batting average, 251 mm-hmm. or uh, 254 now. But look, if you buy those expected stats, then maybe it could be like a 270 batting average by the end of the yep. season. William Contreras went two for four with a run and RBI. He has three straight multi-hit games, and over his last 23 games, he's batting 291 with three homers. He's hitting the ball really hard. The problem is a lot of it is on the ground. Yeah, and that's less of a concern when you're talking about a catcher, right? Because it's like the bar is really, really low. It's something that we've, you know, I did a, a podcast for FFT on the Falcons, and it was talking about Kyle Pitts versus Drake London. Physically, they're very similar players, same offense, all that stuff. Just take the tight end. The guy who, if he gets 800 yards and five touchdowns, is going to be a top five guy. That's kind of the thing with Will and Contreras, where it's like, oh, I'd like him to hit the ball in the air more. But I'm not really going to harp on it because he's a catcher. He's still a top 10 guy for me. All right. Dansby Swanson went two for six with his 10th home run. And over his last 18 games, he's batting 284 with four homers. He's not hitting the ball very hard, but when he does, he's doing a good job of barreling the ball. Uh, that is Dansby Swanson. Chris, any thoughts on him? Uh, sorry, I got distracted by a comment that says, I like the Christ Towers thumbnail. He looks very sexy. Uh, <laughs> he got distracted. No, not really have, don't really have much to add on Dansby Swanson. Um, I struggled with his slow start to the season because so much of last season was a bit of an outlier, but He's still remained in like the 125 overall range. It's just there are so many good shortstops right now that he's fallen in the shortstop rankings less because of concern about him than just other guys passing him. The last name on this list is Manny Machado, who went three for three with a walk, two runs and an RBI. And in three games, three games, 30 games since returning from the IL, he is batting 282 with six home runs, 18 runs scored and 19 RBI, which sounds a lot like what we should expect from Manny Machado. Yeah, his overall numbers and expected numbers are still pretty mediocre, but I've said it all along with a player like Manny Machado with the track record that he has. I don't worry too much about the, the expected stats because it's more likely that it's just a slump. Like when the, the expected numbers are bad for Manny Machado, I'm much more likely to think, yeah, but he's going to be fine because it's Manny Machado. He'll 
tinker something in his swing, he'll start hitting the ball hard and he'll be fine. So I haven't really, he, he's another guy that I, I haven't really moved down very much at all. All right, let's wrap up here with some leftovers and we'll start with the pitching side of things. Jesus Lazardo has now thrown three straight scoreless outings. He was facing the Cardinals on Tuesday, six shutout innings with eight strikeouts for him. Dane Dunning has turned in four straight quality starts. I'm not exactly sure how he's doing it, but he is doing it at the Red Sox. Six innings of one-run ball with four strikeouts for Dane Dunning. And Zach Eflin, another strong start up against the Phillies. Seven innings, two runs, nine strikeouts to zero walks with 17 swinging strikes. Chris, anything on Eflin, Dane Dunning, and Jesus Lozardo? Eflin's good. He's really good. Uh, the, yeah, that's that's one I, I really didn't give enough credit to coming into the season. I have him on one or two teams, but I wish it was more. Lazardo's really good as well. I do wonder, he's got to be very close to last year's innings total. Uh, he's actually surpassed last year's innings total. He's already thrown a career high at the major league level, if I'm looking at it correctly. So, Knock on wood, Mar- Chris. Knock on wood. The Marlins are going, well, no, it's just that you know, that there might be a point where they have to skip him as well. This is a Marlins rotation that doesn't really have a lot of guys that have thrown deep into the season. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that. Dunning, I will just, I don't know, maybe it's just Bryce Elder, again, the AL version of Bryce Elder, and I'm just going to keep being wrong about him, but I don't think there's anything here. Chris, I do have a request. I'm looking at your starting pitcher rankings. You have Zach Eflin at 56. That's too low. So let's get him. Uh, yeah, he, he should be in like the top 40. Yeah, yeah. That's what we're yeah, talking about. Yeah. yeah, Zach Eflin. He's been awesome. You know who was not awesome? Shane Bieber. You know, of course, last time out, I tried to give him a compliment. I said he was doing some nice things. Velocity was up a little bit. Swinging strikes had been a little bit better recently. And you know how he repays me? He was crap. It's against the Atlanta Braves, obviously. It's a really tough matchup. Four and two-thirds innings, four runs allowed. He was very wild in this one. Five walks to four strikeouts. Chris, anything on uh, Shane Bieber after a, a bad outing? No, like you, I was optimistic about his last few outings because the swing strike rates had been up. The strikeouts had been there the last, I think, three outings before this one. So hopefully it's just a, a bump in the road, but obviously it's been more bump than road. <laughs> so far you know it's been like the you know like the shoulder has all the the divots so that like when you like doze off and you drive off the road you like get startled and wake up it's been a lot of that for Shane Bieber this season fair enough let's move over to the hitting leftovers Jonathan India went three for six with a double dong and three RBI he had five hard hits in that game and something I noticed is he has started batting third in the Reds lineup Mm mm-hmm since just before Ellie De La Cruz got called up. So it's now 36 games where India is batting 217 during that time. He still has 10 homers and four steals. So he's been very productive. But you look into the batted ball data, he's lifting the ball, he's hitting more mm-hmm. fly balls, more pop ups. Chris, it kind of feels like India's selling out because he's now a middle of the order bat. And I don't know that he needs to do that. Yeah. The, there was also a weird. Uh a weird interview with him, I think, right when they were calling up. I think they had just called up Matt McClain and everyone's pounding the, the table for Ali De La Cruz to get called up. And, you know, John and India, there were there were quotes to the effect of like, I'm, I'm still here, guys. <laughs> I'm like 26 years old. Like, and he's good. You know, yeah, like he's a good player. And so, I, you know, I do think it's it's a weird situation where like, is he pressing because he feels the pressure of this young core coming up and and, you know, 
at least in, I don't know, in the organization's eyes, but in the fans' eyes, it certainly seems like he's been displaced. And it's like, well, no, he's still a good young player. And so I do wonder if that is taking a psychological toll on him in addition to what you mentioned. I don't think that they should do this, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Reds flip Jonathan India for pitching sometime yeah. around the trade deadline. Matt McClain could play second base. You could have Ellie De La Cruz play short, and then you could call up uh, Christian Encarnacion Tran to play third base. It just seems to make sense. They have an overabundance, and they really could use pitching help, so we'll see what happens. Uh, speaking of Ellie De La Cruz, he went 4-4, four for four, as did his rookie teammate, Spencer Steer, 4-4 four for four in that game as well. Byron Buxton went 3-4 for four with a sock and a shoe, his 15th home run, and his 8th stolen base. Friend- Surprised how much he's running. Yeah, me too. Um, Given it- that they've basically said he physically cannot play the outfield, but... I guess he's okay to run. It's his most steals. He's one steal short of his most in the last five years. And I kind of felt like blaming this low batting average on the fact that it feels like he's been playing hurt all year. But if they're letting him run, it's, I don't know. Yeah. How hurt is he if he's stealing bases? I don't I don't want to doubt it. It's probably not fair to him. Francisco Lindor went one for three with a walk and two steals. He is up to 17 home runs and 11 steals on the season. Stalling Marte went two for three with a sock and a shoe, his fifth home run and 22nd steal. Wander Franco went two for four with a sock and a shoe, his 10th homer and 27th steal. 27th steal. I knew knew it was a big number, but man, that is crazy. Crazy stuff. Xander Bogarts went two for three with his 10th home run. That's back-to-back games with a homer. Ozzie Albies went two for three with a double dong. He is up to 22 homers. And Mookie Betts added his 23rd home run of the season. Very quiet. 23 homers. He's on pace for a career high in terms of home runs. It's, yeah. He just quietly does his job. He gets it done. And Mookie Betts has been awesome for fans. I'm really not looking forward to hitting, him hitting 12 home runs in the second half, which would be a norm, more normal pace and everyone blaming it on the home run derby. <laughs> you know it's going to happen too, Chris. So get ready. Uh, the call to the bullpen. A few updates here for the Reds. Alexis Diaz was unavailable. Lucas Sims picked up his first save. For Texas, Will Smith entered in the ninth inning with two outs and runners on first and second. He got the final out for his 15th save. For the Mets, David Robertson got the final out for his 12th save. The Phillies, Craig Kimbrell struck out two for his 13th. The Cubs, Adbert Alzali entered in the eighth inning with two runners on and a three-run lead. He gave up an RBI double. He stayed out there for the ninth inning where he gave up two more runs, and he took his first blown save. The Cubs would eventually win in extra innings. For Oakland, Trevor May walked one but picked up his sixth save. He is 8% rostered, and if you are really desperate for saves in a deeper league, Trevor May looks like the A's closer for now. (laughs) Just might not help you. I think he still has more walks than strikeouts for the season. My guess is they're just trying to rehab any value and flip him at the deadline for anything, so... I don't know how long Trevor May is going to have value for. The Padres, Josh Hader entered in the ninth inning with the bases loaded and a five-run lead. He would then walk into runs, but eventually picked up his 19th save of the season. For the Guardians, something's wrong with Emmanuel Class A, man. This is weird. He entered the ninth with a one-run lead. Granted, it's Ozzie Albies and the Braves. They're really good. Uh, He gave up a solo homer to Albies. He took his uh, league-leading seventh blown save of the year. For Emmanuel Class A. Does he lead in both? He's uh, leading saves and blown saves? I know he was tied for the lead with 24 saves, but Jordan Romano picked up his 25th. Mm, so. Okay. 
I think that um, that might have given Romano the lead now again, uh, which I just mentioned. Jordan Romano, he struck out the side for his 25th. And for the Dodgers, I didn't get to update this. Let's do it together. Evan Phillips. Uh, he, he blew the save, I believe. Yeah, Evan Phillips entered in the ninth inning with a one-run lead. He would give up three runs on two hits and two walks. He took his second blown save and his third loss. Mm-hmm. I heard the Dodgers broadcast talking about him working a lot of days, so probably is a, a little fatigued. I will say, though, Daniel Hudson's looked pretty good. Daniel Hudson time. Could be. He, um, uh, I think he pitched in this one and, and had a, a strikeout. Uh, it might happen. Might happen there for Daniel Hudson. Let's wrap up with to stream or not to stream. We'll start with Wednesday, where yesterday I think I said... JP France versus the Rockies. Yeah, France. That start is in Houston. Uh, I think we said Josiah Gray versus the Reds. I don't really love yeah, it. Yeah, I don't feel super confident, but I don't hate it. I don't hate Soroka. I agree. Uh, at Cleveland, that lineup is real bad. I think they have one or two hitters with an OPS over 700. Uh, it's a real bad lineup. On Thursday, more games than I thought. 12 games slate on Thursday. We have... Let's see. Uh, I think Kyle Michael Lorenzen. Uh, yeah. Kyle Bradish. The only thing with Bradish, he's much better at home. Yeah. Yeah. That's more about the Yankees being pretty bad. But yeah, no, if, if that was at Baltimore, I would definitely be starting Kyle Bradish. I, I think the Yankees right now are a, a middling matchup at home. So I, I think he's a an OK streamer. What about Jack Flaherty at your Miami Marlins? Red hot Miami Marlins, baby. They put up 15 runs today. Uh, no, I I don't have faith in Jack Flaherty. You know, I had something written down about... <laughs> I had something written down about the Marlins putting up all these runs. Did I just not put it back on the rundown somewhere? Oh, it's up at the uh, top. There you yeah, go. Yeah, it's up at the top. You know, I should have just led the podcast with that. The Miami yeah. Marlins scoring a season-high 15 runs. Anywho... We're going to wrap that's, there. That's got to gotta fix that run differential after the Braves series, you know? Ah, absolutely got to do it. Uh, and you know what? No team better to do it against than the St. Louis Cardinals, right? Am I right? Yeah. We are going to wrap there. For Chris, I am Frank. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.